Thank y'all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. I want to give a big shout out to Nobles Networking, Williams Tire, Par Hoppa. Uh, we got a new sponsor that sent me some shit yesterday, some, I don't even know, it's a unisex fragrant shit, and I haven't tried it yet. Uh, I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, let's see, Straight Haggard Thread Company, thank you for the hats that you send, Grid Iron Coffee, our management company, Red Circle. Thank you for putting some change in my pocket. All the big name sponsors uh, on the show that come from the corporate side. Appreciate, you know, y'all uh, giving this old country boy a chance and paying for some cool shit that I get to do. Um, I had a girl who has listened to this show a whole lot, and I very much appreciate her. She's from Warner Robins. And she tagged me and the lady who is on the show today in some posts. And uh, decided that we should get together. I got to talk to her while I was in Nashville for a few minutes. And uh, she's got a very interesting story. And I think you guys are going to dig her, already dig her. I want to introduce y'all to Miss uh, Jen Street. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you. You already are too far away from your mic. Am I? There you, I told you, you got to, <laughs> you about got to put your lips on it. <laughs> I, know, I know it sounds crude. Sounds extremely crude. And I don't mean that. But, you know, you got to get close enough to where you, it can feel you and you can feel it. It's weird on this side of things. Well, you, we're, good. Uh, we're good. First off, that's how, that's how one way we'll get started. You're starting your own podcast, right? Yes, I am. What is the name of it? It is going to be the Set Free Podcast. The Set Free Podcast. Set Free. Okay. Um, it's basically about women that have battled addiction and how they've come out of it. They're going to hate me. Why? Well, no, like, <laughs> I like addiction as long as you can control it. Yeah, you gotta have boundaries. You gotta yeah, have boundaries. I don't have any boundaries. Yeah, some people I have do. a couple safe words, but no boundaries. <laughs> uh, don't be blushing over there. We, we're two minutes in. You can't be blushing <laughs> you already. Just went 50 Shades of Grey, real quick. I'll, this is gonna be 50 Shades of Bullshit before it's all said and done. Oh, Lord. I can't help it. It's his mouth. It, I mean, it happens. Uh, I get in trouble because of my mouth a whole lot, but I also get paid because of it. So it really can't be yeah. that bad of a thing, right? Right. I was the girl with the. With the report card came home saying, hey, she talks too much. And here uh, we are. Mom was always, he's going to be a politician one day. Nice. Because I like to argue so fucking much. Even better. Or I, they should have just said he should grow up to be a woman. Because y'all never quit arguing in the first place. Well, you're well-rounded then. Uh, I am not. <laughs> uh, I am exhausted. Um, I would like to thank everybody who did the Nashville shows with us. We're actually going back to Nashville this weekend for the TikTok meetup. Any of y'all listening that is going to be there, I will be scheduling shows. Just wind up in my inbox and, uh, you know, maybe we can all do a show together. I know I'm doing a show with some people from Texas and other things. Um, so, yeah, make sure you hit me up. And thank you to Mr. Lee Tucker and everybody that uh, helped with the shows throughout the time we was there. Um, while I was there, like I said, you got me and you got in touch with each other. You gave me, you talked for like 10 minutes on the phone and I didn't get a word in. That's when I knew you probably, <laughs> that's probably when I knew you were, eh, she's going to be good at podcasts. Well, she, thank you. She knows how, she knows how to run her mouth and uh, you have been through a lot. Yes. And I think uh, a lot of your story will really help other people. Um, I guess the best way to start with this now that you've named your podcast is kind of now, the past couple of years of your life, you know, you was battling addiction and yes. everything. Why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, I guess, how your addiction problem started and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Well, I would say it started basically back in high school, um, just trying to try all the drugs that all my friends were trying. And a couple of them I didn't like, a couple of them I did. 
um, two that I found I really liked was Adderall and Xanax. Oh, I like Adderall. Yeah, that's where it started. I didn't realize that that was like a problem for people. There was a point in time when I was taking like four 30 milligram tablets a day and not oh, sleeping. Like shit. it was bad. No, 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 no. It was really, I, really, really bad. I thought I abused them by just taking one a day. Oh. And not being prescribed them. Well, I'm all for people that take medication as prescribed the way it's supposed to go, but the abuse is like, it can get pretty dark. I just didn't realize you could abuse Adderall. Oh, yeah. You can. And and what was the other one? Uh, Xanax. Yeah, see, Xanax makes me sick. Really? All painkillers make me sick. Well, it's uh, anti-anxiety. Yeah, everything that is like, is it is Xanax considered an opioid? No, no. Okay. That's uh, in the... Bar, I can't think of the name of it. Thank you. Uh, okay. Damn, I sound smart as fuck this morning. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they make me the sick. They make me sick. They make me just feel ugh, yeah. like bad. Well, imagine taking one now. I feel like I would probably throw it up. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I it, I really even kind of get like bothered off of uh, like Tylenol PMs and 800 milligram Motrins and stuff. I wasn't made to take anything like that. Well, that's good. Yeah, I guess so. It's a good thing you don't have to battle that one. Yeah. Ugh. But uh, so in high school, you were doing this? Yeah, in high school, that's where um, it pretty much started. And I was taking Xanax a lot and drinking with it. So we would get blackout at parties. We wouldn't remember stuff we'd do the next day. Um, it was just starting there as a mess. And I got my first DUI when I was 18, coming back from Milledgeville, doing a lot of partying up there. I didn't go to college there, but I did all the partying in Milledgeville. Um, it got rough. I got really rough really quick, but that was when like the whole party scene was real big for our age group. Yeah. So everyone's out at college doing their thing, but people would get it together come Monday. But here I am on Monday still trying to keep the party going through the week. Um, that went on for a while until I met my kid's dad. Mm-hmm. And that's when the toxicity started with the drinking, the drugs, the trying different things, the molly, the all of it. I know y'all can't see her, but you're what, all of 5'1"? Uh, yes. <laughs> all of 5'1"? This tiny little woman has done way more than I have done. And it's just, <laughs> I look like the piece of shit that should be like, let's go do some lines. Let's go do I'm scared shitless of everything that you just said. Well, yeah, I mean, addiction doesn't discriminate. I mean, yeah. you know, you've got people that, you know, are... Worst of the worst that do drugs, and you've got people that are all the way up at the tops doing the drugs, and yeah. here I am kind of like in the middle, you know. I mean, I just I consider myself blessed at this point, but it was back then I was just college kid trying to trying to get jacked up. I feel like there's a point that you should experiment. Like I think I think, but I don't know what that point is because I never did it. Like my family, I grew up in a house with addiction, mm-hmm. so it made me not want to do things. Right. So, so, like, there's even times now that in the world that I live in, I'm around some harder drugs. And I can't, like, I still cannot see myself doing them. I won't do them. I, Good. I, I feel like if I give myself an inch, I'm going to take a mile. And that's how I've always felt. Like, I have an addictive personality. If I really like something, I end up loving it. And I just think, like, if I was to try Coke or something like that, I'd be like, 
Uh, I'm doing coke all the time. Right. Uh, and, and it'll it'll suck you in like that. Like I did there was yeah. a time when I did coke all the time. Like it yeah. was like, okay, we're we're getting up, we're starting I just the day, can't we're doing see coke. You doing drugs. I did a lot of them. You look like this sweet <laughs> little innocent church mouse. Well, thank you. I will say that's a compliment. Yeah, you should. I mean, it is a compliment. But, but I mean, I think that's another thing about people that go to church too, is everyone's a sinner that walks in that door. So I mean Yeah, I just Looks, looks can go either way. They can be deceiving, or they can be the opposite end of that. So well, I know, like, I know the preacher's daughters, and I know that there's been. It's always a joke about the preacher's daughter being the wildest one, right? Right. But it usually is true, for the <laughs> most part. Well, my dad was definitely not a preacher. Yeah, it was, it was mine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think there's so many people that come into church. Church would be a whole lot better, in my point of view, if everybody could walk in and they had a tag around their neck sharing their sins. Right. I mean, that like, makes instead sense. of instead of like hiding them, because as I told you before we started the show, the reason why I'm so vocal about the shit that I do is because the good Lord already knows what I've done. I don't have to hide shit from you. That's right. If you don't, if you don't like the way I'm living, turn the channel. You know, very simple. Like it's it's I don't have to answer to you. I'm. The judge one day is going to be the person who has judgment over me. I don't give a shit about the jury. Well, see, that that's that's a good way to look at it because I just recently started walking in that freedom. That's something that I've battled is trying to be a people pleaser and trying to make everyone's approval of me just be just amazing. Like, oh, she's she's awesome. She's good. She's no, I'm normal human. I messed up. I screwed up big time in my years, you know? So it's I've been I've been to jail. I've been I've got my DUI when I turned eighteen. Somehow I haven't got another one since then. And that's just by the grace of God. Uh, it's I like drinking and riding dirt roads. His grace is sufficient. Uh, I like drinking riding dirt roads. Um, You're just a country boy. That's it. I mean, that's what we was raised on. I don't ever drive faster than 30. I mean, they, plus police around here, they love me. Hey, <laughs> they love terrible. me. Just be careful. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I try not to do it nowhere else. But uh, I, I went through that process a long time ago to where I just quit caring what other people think, but not in a bad way. Not like, fuck what everybody thinks. Right. I, it was just like, you know what? This is my life. You don't know what I go through. Yes. This is how I'm going to live it. And if you choose not to, if you choose not to be in my corner, then you're against me. And then I don't, I'll give a shit less about you than I, I should. Like, this isn't your road. This isn't your battle. This is, this is my life. These are my decisions. I have to answer for them. You should keep your nose out of my shit. Yeah, it's like you got to worry about if, you, if you're living for audience one and you know you have to answer for what you're doing, what someone else does doesn't matter. Absolutely Like not. someone else's opinion of you doesn't matter either. Like that's their opinion. Yeah, I don't see how other people think that other people's opinions should matter. Yeah, well, like, I, I, I feel like I've thought that for so long because I grew up in a household where I had to, I felt like I had to seek approval yeah. and I didn't, but... It was, I guess, just like you said, the way you're raised, you know, you kind of fit a certain mold sometimes and then like trying to break free of that over years. Like, it's awesome that you can walk around like that because I'm just now getting to that point in my life where I'm like, I don't care what other people think of me. Because of my grandfather and my uncle and my mother's side of the family, I always tried to be on my P's and Q's and it made me be more scandalous in the dark than I was in the light. Oh, yeah. And when I realized, it's like, look, I don't know if they're doing anything they shouldn't. Yeah. Like these people aren't perfect. Why do I have to act perfect just to please them? But then I'm bottling it all up and it's coming out and me doing some dumb shit when they're not looking. That that got old and that got old quick to where I was just 
you know what? I'm, I'm a grown ass person. I'm not out killing nobody. I'm not out stealing anymore. I did when I was younger, like from 18, 21, very bad person. Um, but I'm 34 years old. I ain't done shit in a long time. If I want to drink some whiskey, I want to talk shit. If I want to, I'm kind of a womanizer. I don't mean to be. It is, if there was ever something that I'm addicted to, it's women. Like that is my vice. But you could have worse. You could have worse vices. You know, you you could like cocaine. I like titties. It's a big difference. I like Adderall. I I still like Adderall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, yeah. It's it's just it's crazy how it all unfolds. Like when you get older and you realize that your parents were still kind of kids too when they were raising you. You learn a little bit more grace. Like you can give them a little more grace. Like. Ah, oh, crap. I now I know it. I, there's there's times I can't. Well, I feel you. I, I can't just for the simple fact that my daughter, when she came along at 24 years old, changed me. Right. I get mad at my parents. Like my daughter to this day, as much as I do drink and have a good time, my daughter's never seen me drunk. Amen. My daughter might have seen me drink a beer or two. I do not drink at dinner with her. I do not. Do I don't show up to her ball games or anything drunk. Now, am I that dad that while she's out here playing softball all day on a Saturday, I'm going to have me a six-pack hidden? <laughs> yes, but a six-pack ain't going to get me drunk at no damn ball field sweating my ass off. In the middle of Georgia, right? Yeah, I'm not going to, but I enjoy watching it, and I'm going to have a beer while I'm watching my kid play. Right. But I'm not coaching. I'm not I'm not putting You're myself. Not in charge. Yeah. And I would never, ever have a couple beers and then drive her anywhere. Right. Like, it is, it so, is. But I had to grow up in a house where they didn't give a shit about it. Right. And it's like, how can you have a child and that not completely change your mindset on so many things? Oh, yeah. I mean, it. it I think if you're in a state of using drugs, it can fog it. Yeah. But I feel like even in my worst moments when I was on drugs, because my kids are actually taken away from me for drug use yeah. and, and violence and all that. So it was like, okay, my kids were the reason I wanted to change. That's good. And it took me a while to get to that point. And I mean, God, I do what he had to do to like kind of wear me down and tear me down to just get me to that core of, look, it's now or never. You need to change for your kids. You need to get better. You need to do something different. And that's a defining moment. But like you said, you know, you're not doing anything necessarily in the dark, but you're preventing your child from seeing something that you don't want her to see. And that's, I think what a lot of people don't do when it comes to drinking is don't expose your kid to it. No. Just don't expose your kids to it. Yeah. I don't want it to be normal to her. Right. It was too normal to me to where by the time I turned a certain age, I was like, hell, ain't I supposed to be partying and having a good time? Like, isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? And that's not the normal for everybody. That's, mm-hmm. That was my family's normal. And I'm not knocking it because I think I came out well-adjusted. My sister, she sister's been in prison. My mom's been in prison. My sister's, uh, she's not at a rehab center anymore. She's at a cult. Uh, I don't like what she's at, but I still love her. I think today's actually her birthday. Sweet. Is it? Oh, no, yesterday was. <laughs> I, she don't talk to me, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> but yesterday was her birthday. Um, I have a problem with... Like she came here at uh at November for Thanksgiving and we got into it, which we've always ever got into it. But the place that she's staying at, they literally told her her son, who's I think he's nine now, that uh he couldn't play sports. What? Couldn't play sports and had to be homeschooled because playing sports took away glory to God. Oh no. And no, I no, told no. and I told them right then, I was like, You're at a fucking cult, dude. Like they, your they son. Yeah, like literally, I was like, Tim Tebow gets a chance to get on national television and everything else and put glory to God. Uh, 
Patrick Mahomes, all these athletes right. that realized they were given gifts by God and they give glory to God every time they get a chance. I was like, that reaches more people than your cult. Yeah. Like, how can you, how can you say that? And they won't speak to me. Oh my gosh. They won't. I want to get kidnap that little kid, but I, I hate kids. Well, there's that. I like mine. That's <laughs> you like it. your own? I like mine. No, I, I like kids. I, I really I do. Get- but no, it's, it's fucked up. I just don't. I don't do that, but I, I commend you on realizing that your kids were the reason to 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 readjust yourself. Oh yeah, it was bad. I was living a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I wasn't being a good mom either. Like, I mean, there's not a lot of women in addiction. I mean, that come out and still stay sober. A lot of people get sucked back into it, yeah. and it's like I worked way too hard to get custody back of my kids. Like me and their dad, you know, we're good to go now, and we have fifty fifty split down the middle. But there was a time when I had zero custody. And that was enough for me to say, those are my kids. Like that, that line sitting there at the bar, that extra Xanax I got in my purse, it's not worth it. Like that's keeping me separated from my children. That's cool. And that, that was like, okay, the kids are way more important than the party lifestyle will ever be. How how bad did your addiction get? Like, I don't mean to put you on spot or anything like this, but like I'm watching this uh, show right now that everybody needs to watch. It's on Hulu. It just came out. It's called Dope Sick. Um, and it's talking about the effect that opioids, especially Oxycontin, has had on people since 1996. It's fucking amazing. Like, it is amazing. And, uh, like, you get to see the links that people are willing to go to for that next high. Like, whatever you feel comfortable talking about, like, what was the extent of, like, were you stealing? Were you having to do fucked up shit to get the next high? No, I was, like, literally like, in the middle of the party scene is party scene of Warner Robins was, you know, it yeah. was like, I mean, I'm in the middle of it. There's a lot of party scene drugs out in Warner Robins. I will oh, say. Yeah. And I was in the midst of it. And I mean, all I had to do was my kids were at their dad's for the weekend. All I do is walk in a bar oh, and okay. literally like all the drugs were there. Like, I mean, anywhere we went, you know, and then also I had my people that I got my, my fair share of drugs from. And usually it was either Coke, Molly, Xanax. Cause I mean, my prescriptions would run out. Like yeah. I, mean, I would take all of them and then have nothing left and have to go. So you supplemented supplemented with like street drugs because you couldn't get your pharmaceuticals anymore. Yep. Okay. Big time. Well, that's what a lot of what I'm watching right now and learning about is that like, especially opioids, is when people would run out of their prescription of opioids, they would start using heroin. God. So like that is, I'm learning. I'm trying to, I am one of these people, I want to see both sides of the argument because there's been for years that I had said that addiction is not a disease. I still don't believe it's quite a disease, but I think it's somewhere in the, I'm more in the middle than I used to be because I can never, I've seen people that are recovering addicts or whatever. And they're like, I've got a disease. I've got a disease. Well, you can with time, effort and, you know, good Lord or whatever you want to look at, you can get over that. But a person with cancer, terminal cancer, they can't get over that. That's a fucking disease. Right. That's where I've always been in the middle. But now with me learning about these opioids and the addiction that even other pharmaceuticals can have on you, it's where I still don't think it's a disease, but I don't think it's just an addiction either. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think a lot of it's a choice, too. Like, you have a choice. You can wake up. And, I mean, a lot of people do, I think, get sucked into it to the point where, like, they have to have drugs so they can function. But it, on the same note, like you're saying, you just can't. 
can't just shake it off. Right. You have you can't to, shake cancer off. Right. That's like a hardcore thing to deal with. You yeah. know, there are some people that, you know, get relief from cancer and they think they're cancer free and it turns back around and they've yeah. got it again. And they're, that's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast. Like, it's just, it's sad, you know, what those people go through. And then you've got people that have the option. Like, it's not, addiction's like an optional disease almost. It's kind of like what yeah, you're saying. That, like, it's optional. Yeah. Like, you can, you can be a drug addict or not. You can either have cancer or, or not, but it's not. Well, on there, your own recognizance. Well, there was this movement, like, and I don't know where it came from, where it started. I just know what I saw on social media a couple of years ago. But it was where a lot of people were pissed off that addicts were saying that this is a disease. And I fell into it. I fell into where I, I believe that because I grew up with what I grew up around. I saw my sister go down a very bad road. I'm even though she's in a cult now, I'm very grateful that she's not a fucking addict anymore. Like I will take her being a whatever she is now. A, she's drinking the, the Kool Aid like a son of a bitch. But <laughs> I will take that over her shooting up heroin or whatever she was doing. Right. Like, but it never ever was like it always just because we've had family members die from diseases. And it's like, don't tell me this is a disease. It's an option. I feel like a lot of it is This is not a fucking disease. But if your body is craving something, like if you have a, like I deal with mental health issues. I don't take medication for my mental health issues because I feel like it, I've got a good enough hold on my shit now. Right. But I'm 10 years plus of understanding that I had an issue. Right. And so I've done a lot of research, done a lot of reading. I have. I have really adjusted myself, but there's still times I struggle with it and think maybe, uh, maybe I do need to be on something. But when you start messing with the chemical imbalance in you, then you're dependent on it. Yes. And I don't want to be dependent on shit. So I know that those people who use people who use drugs, their body has to end up getting a chemical thirst for it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, that kind of makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was times when I was like, oh, my gosh, I want a Xanax. I need a Xanax. Yeah. Like, you couldn't get a hold of any Xanax. Yeah. You know, A, the doctor's office closed. It's the weekend. And your person isn't answering the phone. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I want a Xanax. You can, like, feel it. Like, I yeah. want one. And then all of a sudden, you know, after therapy and years of staying away from it, you don't have those urges. Now, there's there's been times on this side of things, you know, of being sober from Xanax for three years where – I ran into those situations where they're just like gut wrenching and they just, they do something to you. And I found myself like, I know I have been set free from it, but I wouldn't mind one right now. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. Do you give yourself any like, uh, leeway? None. None. I'm CBD. Like I'm pro CBD all the way. I think CBD has definitely helped me stay sober. And there's people that'll argue that. Like, well, how can you say you have a sober date if you, if you take CBD? You should be able to take THC. Thank you. I you mean, should, you, you I'm for it. I mean, that, I think not having that is... I, I do not think whatsoever. Like, first off, I think it's a huge conspiracy about THC in the first place. Uh, just for the simple fact, it if CBD does the good that it does, yeah. then THC is going to do even more. And the reason why they've really not been... Or not wanted to legalize marijuana or anything up to this point, just for the simple fact that, one, they didn't know how to tax it. And two, they wanted to keep selling pharmaceuticals. Right. And the second that everybody realizes the the effects that THC has on the body, especially mental health, oh, it's over with. I mean, I almost overdosed on Xanax. Not one yeah. time did I almost overdose on a joint. You shouldn't have. Yeah. Like, 
if I didn't have the pills and everything else, what did I do? I would smoke and it'd calm my nerves and it'd chill me out. And there's a lot of people that won't say like, how can you say that you have a sober date if you take THC and you're pro this? Because that's what's keeping me having a sober date is not going back to that lifestyle. This is CBD. It's natural. It's normal. It's biblical. I'm for it. No, there's nothing. (laughs) There's nothing. I was, I never, ever smoked anything until probably two, three years ago. I went through a real, I, I didn't, I'm telling you, when I did not what? do any drugs, no drugs whatsoever, I wouldn't, I was scared of them because I was so scared I'd get addicted to something and I'd come up like some of my family members. It bothered me to the point growing up that I had friends that I would kind of turn my head on because it's like, you're smoking weed? What the fuck's wrong with you? Like, right. you're being an adult, you know? But then through research and other things, I've, I have found out that if you don't abuse those things and you use them the way that you're supposed to, THC, that it is a great thing. It is it is so great. There's a reason why doctors prescribe it to people. Right. They're ha- like it's too it's too good for you, and it does not. It's not addictive. Right, it's and it doesn't. Addictive. It's not going to have like the doctor's office and the pharmacy with people lined up because they, yeah. they create customers. I'm sorry. I will say it. I mean, I know doctors are very, very useful in a lot of situations, but a lot of doctors create customers. You watch, you watch the show dope sick. I'm so excited. And to watch then this. HBO max has this thing called the crime or yeah, the crime of the century. I did not know. And I don't think the average person knows the majority of the stuff that's in the, in these two, in the show and then the documentary. It is astounding what doctors have done the past. I literally just, before I got here, was watching how one doctor started a pharmacy. Well, not a pharmacy. It's called like the Life Tree Center or whatever in Texas. And this guy was prescribing one, wait, 160 uh, Oxycontins. What? Uh, the milligram, 160 milligram Oxycontin. Uh, so many Xanax, so many, all this other stuff monthly monthly to one woman who he killed her. He had a hundred deaths because of his prescriptions. But then big pharma, big pharma literally pretty much paid this guy's like a lawyer bill. And he get he got no time. He got no fucking time in prison and is still able to practice medicine. That's awful. All it is Watch, I'm, I told you for this one, prescription thugs to anybody in your family or whatever that's having a problem with opioids, you need to, it's their daughter. It starts with their daughters. Take a good, long, hard look at the daughter. Yeah. And it, I mean, I'm not, I'm not blaming mine because right. I mean, ultimately, you know, like I said, I would run out of prescriptions and I'll run back. But at mm-hmm. some point, how did you not know I well, had a problem? Well, I mean, get, I was 150 pounds when I walked in yeah. now I'm 115 and yeah. this isn't normal for my body. No, like, they, the sales reps and everything pitch this stuff so much that it's, it's they, money. Well, it is. They, I mean, it all boils down back to who's making this and all this kind of stuff. But the doctors at some point in time, a lot of them in this documentary say, Hey, look, we was just, you know, it was called, uh, they were literally just trying to take your pain away. And doctors wanted to do everything they could to take away your pain. Mm-hmm. But you know, if me and you were to sit here right now and take a shit ton of morphine, we're not going to be in mental health pain. We're not going to be in physical pain. We're not going to be in any pain at all. We're not going to be in any pain at all. But what kind we'll of quality up. of life is that? It's horrible. Morphine it, that, and that's is what, like, not a joke. It, it's not. And 
it's the doctors want to say, well, they shouldn't have abused it. They should have used it the way I prescribed it. And it's like, shut the fuck up. You're prescribing an addiction. Yeah, shut the fuck. You know what the fuck you're doing, dude. They do. You, you do. I mean, they're that, they're that smart and they're, they're physicians yeah. and they've gone and had all this schooling. They know at some point they need to stop. But when you've got a yeah. self-pay patient walking in with cash money, yeah. they unfortunately what? don't turn it down. Well, you were prescribed uh, Xanax. Did you say Xanax? Xanax. Um, Adderall, Somas, Percocets, Lorotabs. All like, at one time? All at one time. Phenamine. All of that at one time. Your daughter sucked. Uh, that's why I have not stepped foot in a primary care physician's you office shouldn't. in four years. I, I wouldn't. I, I'm literally terrified. He gives me anxiety thinking about going to walk into a doctor's office because I've, I mean, I still have some classic symptoms now, you know, but I go yeah. to like my OBGYN, that's normal. And he knows that I've well, had you, a history. You kind of have to do that. <laughs> right. And he knows that I've had like a history with drug problems. So he knows that. He's not, I know he's the trusted physician. He's not going to turn around and hand me, Jen, go try this, 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 and this. And I'm not knocking anyone that does take medicine because I was on Lexapro, Effexor, Cymbalta, all the mental health meds, yeah. you know, for anxiety, depression, did all that. But I have more clarity now because I feel like that physician was switching me from medicine to medicine to medicine and never letting anything have the effect it needed to because yeah. there's certain stuff you have to do for three months, whatever. Yeah. But there's no reason why somebody should. Uh, oh, no. Like, unless you are clinically insane, clinically insane, first option should be therapy. Yeah. You should you should take a hard-ass look at yourself. Second, you should uh, start identifying your triggers and stay the fuck away from your triggers. Yep. Uh, you, you should figure out how to self-medicate, and I'm not talking about with alcohol or whatever. Right. But, like, if you feel an episode coming on, you need an outlet. I always say, as stupid as it sounds, fucking coloring. It that works. I don't. I don't mm -hmm. color. I write like that. When I feel something coming on, I write, and I'm oversensitive. Like, do you journal, right? Or uh, a lot of things. Gotcha. A lot, a lot of things. Um, but you need something when you feel these episodes coming on to where you do not have to depend on another person. It is something that you can sit down and do. Because all it is is your brain playing a fucking trick on you. That That is it. It is your chemical imbalance playing a trick on you. And the second you realize that you can control it, you don't need these medications. The medications literally convince you that you have to have this to yes. feel normal. But what is that normal? No. That is not a normal life. Like, it's a medicated normal more, life. The <laughs> more it is doctors. I don't go to doctor. I go to my weight Senior. loss doctor because I, I take Adipex. That is the only thing I think I actually have a real ass problem with is I used to be about 330 something pounds. I can right now, if I don't take an Adipex or I don't take some type of supplement to block me from being hungry, I will eat enough food to cover this table. <laughs> like no doubt. I, all I want to do is eat. But you take one a day. You yeah, take I only it take as one prescribed. A day. So unless, that, I'm, unless I'm drinking in Nashville or something. Oh gosh. Okay, I'm not that's a different to, story. No, no. I'm not, see, <laughs> Just be careful with it because that was like another thing that they prescribed yeah. me in the midst of all that. And yeah. my heart rate was through the roof. And then they're like, here, take some Xanax and some blood pressure medicine. You'll yeah, be okay. Yeah. But see, I even no. think blood pressure is a joke. Yeah. My family, like the men in my family all have had high blood pressure. They're all in their 80s. They've all had very long lives. My blood pressure might be higher than a normal person, but like, look at me. There's no way mine and your <laughs> blood pressure can be the same. I'm 5'10, 230 pounds. You're 5'1, what, 120, 130, something I like that. I wish. You, I'll you, take it. <laughs> you look like it. There's no way our blood pressure should be the same. Right. There's, there's no way that anything in my body and your body should be the exact same. 
So if mine's a little bit higher, as long as it's not through the roof and I feel my heart beating out of my chest, mm. then there's there's nothing wrong with me. Right. Like, what do you think people did a fucking 200 years ago if they were built different? You didn't like, oh, damn, I feel a little bad right now. Let me go to the doctor. No, it was like, this is your body. Yeah. This is your normal. And the only time I abuse my Adipex, which I don't need them every day. Right. Like, there's times, I haven't had one since last Thursday. Last Thursday was last day I took one until this morning. Right. So that's, what, five days without them? And I don't ever feel the need for them. Like, if I know that I'm going to be around my options of food for that day, I will take one. And I will still eat, though. And, like, if I want to get a little extra kick at the end of the night and I don't want to go to bed yet, I'll take a half. But I'm not snorting it. I'm right. not injecting it. Like, am I abusing it by some people's standards? Yeah. But I've never ran out of a month's supply before the end of that month. I'm never having to go, like, oh, Refer let me. Refer to the streets. Yeah, let me go. Stuff. Let me get some fucking meth. Uh, no. 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 I, but some people ain't, ain't geared like that. Like, with me doing you know, phenamine and the, all the things at the, at the same time, it was like just basically to the point where when you did run out of it, I knew that I couldn't go run to the harder stuff because it, it didn't have a label on it. What's the hardest thing you've done? Uh, meth. I did try meth in high school. Oh, shit. Yeah, I tried meth in high school. Uh, like count maybe like maybe five times, but I never liked it. I've never yeah. tried heroin. I've, mine literally stopped at a ton of cocaine use. Um a lot of Xanax, a lot of Adderall. And there was throwing some alcohol on top of so it. So you like so. uppers? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Molly. I did a ton of Molly. Like when Molly became I don't like even a big know thing. what. I mean, I know what Molly oh my is. Gosh. I know what Molly is, but I don't really know what Molly is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what it does to you or the effects it has on you or anything. I just know the whole thing was really sketchy when we did all of it. But it was, it was, um, I could see where that would be an addiction. Like that was something that we frequently did was yep. Molly. And it was. Yeah. I kind of lied a while ago. Uh, now I'm thinking about it is uh, in high school. Like when I was a senior, my friends taught me into doing ecstasy one time and I did it one time and I knew how much that I enjoyed that one time. Yeah. And I knew I'd never, I'd never touch it again. Well, that's, I think that's about how like Molly it, Isn't was. it what it's Molly does to you? Basically, it's like ecstasy, but it's like, it was the upper, it was an all night kind yeah. of thing. And then the morning would roll around instead of coming down from it, let's take the Molly out of the capsule and we would take it just like that. Like it was, oh my gosh, we're so stupid. That's it. I mean, like, we're stupid. And I mean, like, I don't, I don't ever want to glorify like the drug use that I did, but I mean, it's I was not, all in the party it's scene. It's not glorifying it. You don't think so? No, Does it sound like I'm like, no, it's not glorifying it at all. Okay. You're, you're, there's somebody, <laughs> there's somebody out there. You always got to think the reason why you tell your stories is because there's somebody out there right now that when they hear you say that, maybe they were thinking about doing it later. And then they realize that, Hey, you know, if, if I don't watch it, I'm going to end up going down this road. Yeah, that's like the one, that's the one thing like I always want to do anytime I've ever told my story is I want to go back for the one girl or even guy that, you know, nothing in particular with, when it comes to that is the one person that is on drugs that is making that decision on whether they're going to continue going down that path or they're going to make a change. Like I want that person because they, they know that they can change. You, you yeah. just got, you know it in yourself. Like I can change. You just don't know there's a better way of doing things and there's light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to push yourself to it to see it. Turn your microphone light down a little bit like that there you go there you go <laughs> i hate this that's so terrible i know right it's just it's disgusting looking at you i know it is uh, i've said for like 
a couple times now that I'm going to get like an actual dick styrofoam to put on the end of this, <laughs> on the end of these mics, but you can't find them nowhere. Oh, Lord. I mean, but no, no, you're, uh, no, that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, yeah. that's the reason why we go through our bullshit. We have to share our shit. Yeah. If you and it can be hard sometimes, no, it's, but it's, it's absolutely it's, hard. You sometimes have to like relive it, but it's, it's part of your story. If it can help someone get changed, then yeah. help. Well, people it. have different type of testimonies. Yeah. You know, there's some people that are going to lead folks to God by, talking about how squeaky clean their life was. Mm -hmm. And then you got some folks that's like, hey, look, this is where I am now, and I wouldn't be here now because I was doing Molly, snorting Coke, all this stuff, but I realized that wasn't a way to live. No. And like this is, it took more than just going to a, a rehab. It took the good Lord to help me get on the path I'm on. Right. And there's somebody that's going to listen to this, and they're going to rethink a decision. Yeah. And, and so you have to share your shit. Yeah, and it's hard, like, trying to find, like, the right people to tell it. And then it's like, you know what? The right the right path will come along to where you're going to be able to tell your story and it's going to help the right people. And, it, and it's just going to touch someone's life. Yeah. That's what you want ultimately. And hopefully uh, mine will. Yeah. That's what I tell. Mm -hmm. I literally, people think that I only get folks that have like these big followings and shit to the show now. And right. I don't like, I don't care your following. I care about your story. Right. Like I want it to be able to help someone. Uh, even the musicians I have on my show, like, I don't care that some of them got the blue check verified and like they're a big deal in Nashville or whatever. I love them because of their story and right. like what they've been through so I can help folks. And like, there's just no reason in my mind that you go through the shit you've gone through. There was not a reason, but I honestly believe that the reason we go through it, that we are our purpose. Like we have to get out of our own way mm -hmm. and realize that we're not looking for somebody else to save us. We're not looking for somebody else to tell our story. We are doing our trauma and injustice if we do not share our trauma. Yep. We have to. And it also is, is self-therapeutic. It is. It is when you, when you talk about it and get it out. I mean, I'm in therapy yeah. now still. You know, if it wasn't for my therapist, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at now in life. But yeah. it, I mean, trauma is... I don't like therapists. Uh, you don't? Uh-uh. Have you not had a good one? Uh, I had some when I was younger, like after 2010, but I just, I don't think, I don't think you have to have a degree to be a therapist. I don't, I don't necessarily even think some of these people that have all these, all these degrees are good therapists. I think that what a therapist is supposed to be is someone who listens to you, that walks out your, your trauma with you and then is there for you. My problem with therapists is once you leave that office, they're not there for you. They're, they're not fucking there. Like, that's where it stops. Like, you should have a support system. Right. I think I agree with you on that. And I, I will say, my therapist, like, she's she's very, she's seen me at my absolute worst. Yeah. Like, rock bottom, strung out on Xanax. And she's seen me now. And there have been times where I've had to message her after hours. Like, what do I do? And she she's walked me through it. And she's a life That's coach, cool. too. She's a certified life coach. And yeah. I think you got to be very careful when you're picking a therapist because you do want to go to one that is certified. You want to go to one that has the schooling, that has the knowledge back behind it. Because I'm not just going to go to anyone's yeah. office and dump all my crap out there and say, here, this is it. Yeah. But her office, I feel like it's a safe place. Like, I can go well, in there. Good. I that's can good. dump all the the mom junk, nine to five, you know, picking up kids all the all the things and yeah. I can dump it at her office and then just go on and be good when I shut the door. I want to be a life coach. You do? I all think right. you should be because you've actually said some things that she said to me before. So I think you've got, I, well, your calling the, might be life coaching. Yeah, but my thing would mostly be to suck it the fuck up. 
yeah, you got a good approach to it. Well, I mean, you, you know, you know, as uh, as humans, we have a huge flaw in us that we think that our trauma and our bullshit is the most important trauma and bullshit in the world. Yes. Our struggles aren't as much as somebody else's struggles. Mm-mm. And I get tired of seeing, I'm not, this is not directed towards you because no, I know nothing good, about good. your home life, what I'm about to say. Go for it. I get so fucking tired of seeing soccer moms complain about how bad their fucking life is. Oh, I get so tired of seeing the pretty girl talk about, oh, I just can't find a man. I'm just, I'm fucking miserable. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Cause there is some big girl out there that has the best personality that is just a wonderful person and and men won't pay her attention. Like, shut the fuck up. Your life isn't that bad. Soccer mom, there is some broke ass mother of four working at McDonald's right now, not getting to see her fucking kids and working two jobs. She doesn't want to work. I'm sorry that your life sucks so fucking bad that you have to get up, go to Chick-fil-A every morning, get your kids (laughs) some goddamn nuggets and then go home and go back to sleep. Yeah. If you don't like your life, do something about it. You got to change it. And it starts with you. Like you're the only one that can change it. I'm, I'm a extremely cynical fucking person. And I, and I try not to be, it's just, I hate seeing people complain that have no reason. I have no reason to complain anymore. No, I have no reason in this world because there's somebody that is way worse off than I am. And when you see that, it's just like, I I need you to reevaluate your life. Well, there's times like I find myself getting like, you know, anxious and getting kind of pissy and just upset about certain things. And I'm like, wait a minute, like with my kids or something, you know, just something going kind of wrong at the house, if you want to say wrong, you know, just something kind of off. And it's like, there was a time when I didn't have my kids for seven months. Like I was completely separated from them. Like whatever is going on right now is not that big. Exactly. When you start realizing that you have your mind over matter kind of thing going on, you can reel it in and take control. Yeah. People don't want to do that. No. And it's hard though, because you have to dig deep down and find those trauma wounds and you got to heal from them. And healing is a process. I didn't know it's going to take this long to heal. You're not healed yet. None of us are. No, none of us have arrived either. No one's better than the next person. But it's like you, you, when you start feeling that healing from trauma, it's like there's, there's freedom in it. And like you were talking earlier, it's just like freedom walking in the fact that you don't worry about what other people think. Like, yes, this is my life. This is what I've done. This is what I've screwed up. This is how I lost my kids. And then you start walking in freedom and you can walk in places with your head up instead of down. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah. I used to walk in. I didn't know how, what my, I didn't know what depression was growing up. Didn't know. I thought you was just a, a wimp if you said. Oh, we it. avoided depression or yeah. else. There's nothing wrong with yeah, you. There's exactly. nothing wrong with you. I had to pretend nothing like, was wrong. I would walk into lunchrooms, gyms or whatever in school and I would think everyone was talking about mm-hmm. me in a negative way. And this was like where it was a classroom or whatever. And it drove me insane to where I thought I had to act a certain way for people to fucking like me. Looking back at it, no one gave a fuck about me. And I mean that in the nicest, best way possible. It was my brain playing tricks on me because it was supposed to be where all these people care about me. It's the battlefield of the mind. They don't care about you in a good or bad way. You shouldn't spend your time worried about these other people's opinions when you probably don't cross their mind. Right. You think that you cross their mind because you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. yeah. And it that, happens. And once I realized that, oh God, it's just the weight of the world came off of me. Yeah. That's my fiance. He's like, so I don't care what anyone thinks of yeah. me. Like he literally is 
walks in his own lane, however, whatever people say these yeah. days. Like he literally tends to his own business and he just worries about him. And sometimes it frustrates me. I'm like, how are you just so quiet and laid back about certain things? And, you know, they say opposites attract. Yeah. And he's like, I don't understand how you're so like giddy or so rambunctious about something like so excited about something i guess is the word i'm yeah. looking for like how are you so excited about that right now and it's like oh really it isn't that big of a deal you know he like tones it well, down it, and it, he's helped balance it depending out depending on what it is you should be excited if it right. makes you happy oh yeah go balls to the wall with that shit like, for sure but it has to make you happy Right, or like excited about like certain things. Like if you're upset, like how are you yeah. that upset about this right now? Like it's not the end of the world. Calm down, Jim. Yeah. Like you need people like that in your life to reel it back in. Like, hey, you're you're getting a little upset about something, and have it redirected. You know, I'm the, I'm the world's sometimes. worst about telling people to calm down. It's okay. I'm, sometimes I'm people need to be told to calm down. I know, but like you know how there's that uh. I don't know if you're on TikTok. You're on TikTok? Yes, I okay. love TikTok. You know how like, I did too, unfortunately. <laughs> it's so stupid. I wish I fucking did. I, but so I, I do. You know how like they say uh, every woman wants the guy to every, like to be there for them, but also tell them to shut the fuck up and put them in their place sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No woman wants that. No. Y'all say y'all do? No. But you, you don't. And no. like, you know, no woman, you, like guys, the only reason I'm bringing that up is if you're listening to this, do not go home and tell your woman to chill the fuck out. No, don't do it. You don't do it. I am good at it, but I am good at it to a point to where I know even sometimes <laughs> I'm going to shut the fuck up and I'm just going to walk off because you don't, you don't tell women to chill. You don't tell them to calm down. You don't tell them to chill. You will die. That will rile them back up. And I yeah, think that was when me and Sean were having our whole toxicity thing, and we talked about that earlier, you know, you had a girl on, on your podcast that she's gone through some trauma and she got away from her abuser. Yeah. You know, me and Sean, we, it was towards each other. And I think a lot of girls, uh, and I hope I'm not offending anyone, um, because there's a lot that goes into your brain when you're in that kind of situation. It's like, guys aren't always the problem. No, they're not. They're but, not girls, and I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not yeah. condoning a guy's behavior by any means in that aspect. But I'm saying like girls can antagonize, girls can start it, girls can push someone to that point, just like guys can push us to the point. Yeah, but I don't think as a man you're supposed to know when they push you to that point. Oh, absolutely. To I, get so the I fuck, think, to get out of the room. Right. The yeah, guys I mean, should somewhere. have. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that sense. So it's just like girls can start it too. Like yeah. they can be the abusers. Girls can be the ones that are causing the problems. And yeah, but I and like I'm not I'm not I grew same thing house domestic violence growing up in and everything I get so mad when I see a man be abusive towards a woman like I'm always that guy that interferes at a bar or wherever I'm at I'm always put myself in good place for you that I, don't I, need to I be. come in guys like, like you that I'm do that. always that guy that's good but also too I've been around some crazy women that I've dated or whatever and if it gets to that point I don't understand why people. Not only just walk away, but realize that if you're in a relationship that drives you to that, that it drives you to a domestic violence point, you don't need to be in that relationship. One mm. time is too many. Yeah, especially if kids are involved. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I never want anyone to take away from our story like, oh, okay, well, if she made it through all that craziness and that toxicity, then I can make it too. And it's like, no. I don't, it's a lot of therapy and well, a lot of understanding and a lot of sacrificing to get to the point that me and Sean are at now. Like, well, it's a lot. Well, I hope y'all are at a good point. But, oh, it's so good. But, and this is just like playing devil's, devil's advocate. Devil's advocate. There's not many people that don't relapse when it comes to domestic violence. That's true. There's, it is very, very rare that people like can make it through a relationship 
Because, you, I mean, it's, what, what's everybody say? Oh, he, he's good. He can change. Right. Or she's good. She can change. I'm not trying to just point out your, no, your, y'all two or anything. But it's where it usually doesn't change. It usually hides. It usually hides, and then it pokes its head. Yeah, it'll rear. Yeah. And but not, it, it's bad. When it gets to that point, like, because you don't know yeah. what that other person's capable of when you've yeah. got that toxicity If, you, if you've out. already been drove to that point before, it's going to happen again. I, I will disagree. I hope it don't. I really, really Only hope it don't. Only because it's not fueled by drugs and chaos anymore. Yeah. Like we've got, we both have custody of our kids. We're planning our wedding. Everything's fine. Yeah. We're all under one roof and things are good now because we yeah. took the bad that was in it out, you know, and that had a lot to do with how it was, how it was going and yeah. the way that I reacted to certain things. Like I had to like take a deep look within myself and realize that I was the problem and I started a lot of crap and here he was and, you know, he's like, I'm just over here raising my kids, doing my thing and you're acting, you know, off, off the charts at this point. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that was at the point that like the toxicity was done, but when it was toxic, it was toxic. Yeah. But now that we don't have the, the things that fueled that toxicity, I, I, it, it's incredible. Like he's, he's actually a good guy. And yeah. that's, I think, I think girls. Well, if you're make, marrying him, I hope so. Oh yeah. He's, I mean, he's incredible. I mean, I go, our kids are thriving. They're happy. They're healthy. It's good. it's good. And it's, it used to not be this way. So sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to accept. Okay. Things are actually good. Like it's okay. Yeah. And you finally start to see that, that, that world that you thought didn't exist. You're actually living it. Like things are good now. Things are okay. Do you feel like you're waiting on the other shoe to drop though? Are you one of these people that are just so focused on our, that are live in, not live in the past, but so relevant are, that they understand the past so much that they're still, they're skeptical that it's good right now? Um, I think I'm past that point at this point. Um, there was a time when it was like, I'm super skeptic of everybody. Like I thought like everybody was like out to get me. Yeah. I thought people were out to, to take my kids away from me. Like I had some PTSD from handing my kid to an officer, like handing him over physical custody to an officer and me getting thrown in the back of a cop car. Like I have major PTSD from that. So I'm always, I, coming out of treatment, always thought people were like out to get me. Like they're going to try to find the one little bit of dirt on you that you've got. And they're going to make your life a living hell. Like I like walking out like that. And then thinking Sean was still trying to one up me and still keep kids away from me. He wasn't doing that. Like drugs can like, so put a fog over your brain and make you so like, it's like deception. Yeah. And you don't see things for what they really are. Like you think you're doomed. And I think a lot of that goes back to the childhood trauma. Like, you know, not being able to do everything right. Not doing things the way that they were supposed to be done. You know, and not being able to explore my own individuality. Let's talk about some of your childhood drama. Let's go Our for trauma. It. Trauma, it's drama. This same <laughs> it's fucking both. Thing. What, what we was kind of talking about earlier. Tell me a little bit about like your trauma growing up that made you want to in the first place, I guess, get on some of these antidepressants and you know kind of zone out with some of the other stuff well you know when you're growing up in um in a family that has someone in it that owns a business you know you feel pressure like okay you have to be polite you have to be nice you have to be good you know but that's stuff that your parents instill in you anyways but I was constantly reminded of it and it was like a constant all right you know mind your manners do this do that but my dad would come home and, you know, he was out there serving the community, but he would come home and he would scream at us over like the most littlest typical thing. And it would just, it would get really, it would get rough. 
it would get really rough hearing him yell and fuss just over day-to-day stuff that he had to deal with, but he would do everything that he was supposed to do in the community, but then come home and he'd fuss and scream and yell and cuss at us. And everything we did was never good enough. Well, for most fathers, uh, which I'm not this way, uh, but I've seen it. I mean, a lot of dads, a lot of dads just want the best for their kids. And some of that is just wanting the best for you, but some of it is just pure out way too much fucking aggression. Oh, yeah. And build up other stuff and all that type of thing. I think there is um, a fine line. I mean, you should know what abuse is whenever you're, it's like verbal abuse. Verbal abuse can still take a toll on somebody. Verbal abuse is horrible. Oh, yeah. And like now I can't stand like if people are like, like sometimes I feel like I have to fill a silence or I have to say something extra or just something else because like I feel like what I said wasn't good enough. And that's just how I grew up, you know, having pressure. product of verbal abuse. Yeah. And it's hard. What about, was there any physical abuse? No. No physical abuse? No, no physical abuse. Um... I mean, my mom would whip my butt sometimes. With that doesn't count. As but that is not no. physical abuse. Because of that, I won't. I, I don't spank my kids. I'm one of those moms like I can't oh, spank no, my kids. Oh no, you have to spank your kids. No, I get you so have to, nervous. You have to spank That's your kids. part of the PTSD. I'm telling you, from handing my kid over to an officer, I'm terrified. If I were to ever like discipline my child, like like how you can legally discipline a child, like I think it has to be. Is it closed hand, open hand? Oh, I don't I, don't, I, don't, I will punch like, my kid in the fucking face <laughs> if I got to. There's, oh, I no, mean, no, but no, after no. you've had to hand your kids over and have deep acts in your stuff, like, I'm literally terrified. There's been times when I know my kids need to be pops for what they've done. Yeah. But because of what I've been through, I'm literally terrified uh, to do gonna, that You'll to regret that one day. You think so? Absolutely. I mean, they, I've got good kids, though. You quote a lot of the Bible. What's yeah. it say about I not know, beating their ass? But I don't want to. It's so I, I hard. know. I get why you wouldn't want to. I get why you won't. I mean, there. Don't get me wrong. I want to. But, but I, I, this, <laughs> I don't this, want to. Ask any kid that grew up with their parents not disciplining them. Every single child ends up saying, as they become an adult, "I wish my parents would have been harder on me." My family, are they beat? I got. I got spankings. I didn't. I never got abused. But I got spankings, but I should have been disciplined a whole lot more than what I was. I'll agree with that. Because by the time I got to be an adult, I thought that, oh, nothing bad's gonna happen to me. There's no I'm not gonna get punished for this. I'll get a I'll get a pop on the wrist. No, no. You have to discipline your child. You don't have to abuse your child, but your child needs to know that there are consequences to their actions yeah and i mean I, I i do we do discipline them other ways sean is like the if anyone's spanking it's gonna be sean like i yeah. won't do it like i'm terrified. okay so your kids still get spankings you just don't do it i do not partake okay. in the spanking because of i mean i've i've had a family violence charge like i yeah. just don't ever want it to to look bad on like that's the case like i'm like abusive because i'm not i'm not mean, abusive things, things i, I can really tell bad. abusive people <laughs> not you're abusive. not you're not abusive you, you just you know a little sideways for a little while uh yeah, yeah it was, it was rough. We're all a little sideways sometimes. Yeah, maybe not you know snorting lines and <laughs> you know taking Molly sideways, but that takes her on. Everybody gets sideways. I, I drink. To. Everybody says I drink too much. Yeah, it was just like it was a wild little streak though. And then even after I became a mom, I was still on that streak. Yeah. And you know I would I would drink, and I found myself drinking more towards the end. I would never consider myself alcoholic. Uh, yeah. Drinking's just not my thing it was xanax and adderall but i did go out a lot and i partied a lot and alcohol was always involved but um one night like after me and sean split i'd met this guy and we were on the way home from some bar in macon i can't think of it off the top of my head but we were on the way home um hummingbird okay thank 
I like right. Hummingbird. Yeah, they're cool. Well, we're on the way back from from there, I believe. And um, we're on 247, and this guy I was dating at the time. Um, we were in his car. I was driving. I thought I was I was good to go, you know. And I guess with, like, the heat on and just driving on 247, just got drowsy, and I literally veered off the side of the road, jumped a guardrail, and the, the truck flipped about four or five times down the um, embankment into yeah. Etchikani Creek. And oh, I woke shit. up about an hour later upside down in the Xterra. And I like reached over because I thought we were at home in his bed. And like I reached over for him and I didn't feel him. And all I felt was a seat. And I was like, oh my God. And then I realized I had my seatbelt on, but I was upside down. I was like, oh my gosh. And so um, I reach over and I find his phone and I immediately dialed 911, like yeah. upside down. And they're like, where are you? I'm like, I, I gave him a location that I was like nowhere near. And they were like, okay, um, are you somewhere off 247? And I was like, yeah. So they, um, they're like, all right, you're going to have to literally scream from the woods. And I'm like, do you, do you have anyone with you? And like, all this is happening so fast. And I kicked open the door and I was able to get out. And there was just enough moonlight to see this guy that I was with um, face up in the creek. Fuck. And I just, I ran into the creek, jumped in, and I'm, like, trying to see if I can see his chest rising or not. And I, I didn't see it moving. So um, I literally gave him CPR in the creek while he was face up. And then he started throwing up, and he was coming to. And I was like, oh, God, thank God. So, like, I'm digging in his mouth trying to get vomit out so he doesn't choke on it, all while trying to move his neck because he just got ejected from this car we were in. Yeah. And um, like, that whole thing was traumatizing. I like, fucking bet it was. So scary. And then the, um, the ambulance people, they, they finally like, heard me down there in the embankment. I was screaming. They got him on the stretcher, got him into the ambulance. They got me in an ambulance. And I guess I just had so much adrenaline going. I was like, don't put me on a stretcher. I want to walk away. Like, I'm fine you know, worry about him. He wasn't breathing and I'm trying to give them a rundown of what happened. And they got me into the ambulance. And right when I got, right when I stepped in, I mean, like, I collapsed. The adrenaline was gone. And yeah. I remember sitting there and they were like helping me up and I heard them say code blue. And so I knew at that moment he just coded and his ambulance just took off. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's it. Like, I just killed someone. I literally just killed someone. And I'm like, all the thoughts are going through my head. Like my kids, me, um, him, his family, he's got daughters, you know, and I'm like, how I, I got to answer to God for this one. And that's when I was still atheist, didn't believe in God. And I was like, I have to answer to God for this one. And, um, we got to the hospital and they, they gave me a bunch of Ativan and knocked me out, but they took him straight to ICU and they innovated him. What's crazy is he's a respiratory therapist. Oh, he innovates people for a living. And he woke up about, um, a little while after that in, into the evening and he, um, he woke up and I cannot tell you, like, I thought that's probably when I started praying. I was just like, thank you, God. Thank you for bringing him back. Like, thank you for doing that because like, I almost killed someone like that's yeah. That's not cool. Like that is, it's just, it's a horrible thing to experience. And, uh, me and him were really, really close. Um, like we got close just based on trauma and issues that we had and we were both going through stuff. Um, he had the option to press charges on me, and I believe it carried a 10-year prison sentence. Yeah, I imagine so. It was fucking almost vehicle homicide. Yeah, they called in the fatality investigator from Macon because they thought he was not going to make it. And when they call in the fatality investigator, it's because they think he isn't going to make it. And he was yeah. in ICU on a vent. And, um, oh, I'm probably going to cry. Like, I, I, uh, you shouldn't cry. Yeah, you I made it out of side. Man, it was rough. Like. It was really, really bad. I think that was that was one of the lowest points. And then he um 
you know, just seeing him breathe and being able to see him like reconnect with his daughter and everything like that was so good. But I was so gone in my mind at that point that reality just did not, it, it didn't seem to be what was really going on, but I could still feel everything. It was so weird. And he, um, he's fine now, but he had the option to, to press charges on me for serious injury by vehicle. And that's what carries the 10 year prison sentence. He chose not to. And when I asked him why, you know, he was like, because your kids deserve you to be the best mom you can be to them. So go home and be the best mom you can be. And I guess that was like a defining moment for him. It should have been a defining moment for you both. Oh my gosh. It was massive. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot. Um, Unfortunately at that point, it, um, it made me spiral more out of control. And that's when, you know, I lost custody of my kids. Um, Oh. Why would that make you spiral more out of control when you get a second chance? Because I didn't realize that God gave me that second chance and I had no idea. I was that lost and in that much of a fog. And I think the trauma from the wreck really triggered something in me to numb it even more and yeah. to get more jacked up because I did not want to face the reality of what I had done to another grown man. Like that was hard to deal with that. I almost ended someone's life. <laughs> like, I didn't want to feel the fact that I did that, which is very, very selfish. And the next thing you know, I'm in jail and I'm like, All right, there has to be a better way to do it. What were you in jail for after this? Um, well, my, my blood got taken that night from the GBR crime lab and um, they didn't have the results back, I guess. until like a month later and it was Cinco de Mayo. I was out partying and then me and Sean got into it. I was, probably fussing about something that wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah. And I called the cops on him. And then. Do you have a warrant for you because of it? Yes. Toxicology? Yes. Oh, like I'm shit. telling you, like they, they came over like mystery. Um, put your hands behind your back. We have a warrant for your arrest. And I'm like, no, he's the bad guy. And they're like, no, it's definitely you this time. So, you know, I put my hands behind my back. They took me to jail, transferred me to big County the next day. It was, it was rough. Like, it was not, I was like, how am I living this life? How, how like, long ago was this? Um, we're coming up on four years. Okay, cool. From, from that. It was, I mean, so I'm still, I'm still doing a lot of healing from that. Me and him, um, we keep in touch. The guy that was in the wreck with me. Oh, we keep in touch. Hey, how are you? You know, we're, we're nice to each other. We're not ugly. I think me and him both saw something that night that we have a purpose and we have a plan. Yeah. And God definitely gave a second chance on that one. That's cool. I'm glad y'all stay in touch. Oh yeah, me too. Like, I mean, it takes like a grown man to be able to like look at someone and say, "Hey, you almost kill me, but I want you to be the best mom you can be." Like, you are completely a selfless person. I think if you can do that, absolutely. I, I commend that guy for that. Me too. He's, I mean, awesome. I don't know what awesome. I'd act like in that situation. Hmm? I don't know what I would act like in that situation. Oh my gosh. It was like guilt and shame all over me. Like I almost took someone's son away from, from a mom Yeah, as a mom of a boy myself, two boys. Like it's yeah. like, I, how do you forgive? I would someone? like to think I'd be forgiven. I, I would, I would like to, I would like to think I would be, but I think that would be kind of hard for me. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in another situation now where I'm having to learn um, forgiveness towards someone else. And it's like, I'm, I'm not there yet. I think God lets you deal with things like you hear God's perfect time. And I think he lets you deal with things at a certain pace that you. Well, he lets you go through hell. So you realize what heaven is. Oh gosh. Yes. Like he allows he, the things every, to happen. He doesn't bring the bad you know, on. You know, they say that you, they say you're not supposed to pray for patience for a reason. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're supposed to learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. If you, if you like, you're supposed to be there in the time and learn from it. 
Like your, like your trauma has, it makes no sense. There's a lot of people who, that just let their, their trauma just rule them and define them. I don't believe in that. I believe in that we define our trauma. And if you don't take time while you're in that painful situation to actually see that there's purpose in that pain and there is a certain beauty in that pain. Oh yeah. You don't ever see the beauty till it's all said and done, but you have to take time to experience it. Cause you don't, you don't learn a lesson on your time. You learn a lesson when you're supposed to. Yeah. You can't just go through yeah. the motions of life. Like you yeah. have to feel like feeling is part yeah. of life. You're not, you're not always where you want to be, but yeah. you're always where you're supposed to be. I agree with that. Big time. Yeah. It's definitely true. It was, well, it was what's crazy. the, what's the trauma and stuff that you're trying to forgive now? Um, well, I will say, um, I'm not going to speak too hardcore on that one, but I will say it's, um, there's a family member of ours that I've, I've been close with my whole entire life. And, um, he made some very horrible decisions Mm -hmm. that I absolutely, as a mother of two boys, do not agree with. Um, I think as, as a mama bear, you know, you, your worst fears come to mind sometimes. And that person has definitely crossed the line. Um, not with my kids, nothing, nothing that we've noticed. Um, my kids have talked to people, um, trusted people that they needed to. But um, this particular person actually was charged with child exploitation and um, child pornography. Oh, we kill pedophiles around here. And I, I couldn't understand why. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. I, I literally can't. I am. Uh, I am. <laughs> I might catch a lot of slack for that one, me saying that I understand that, but I'm a very understanding person. And when you've had your family directly affected by someone that could possibly, yeah. you know, be that way. I'll, I'll go and tell you, there's no, for you, it might be one way, but for me, there's no understanding of pedophile. Oh, I, there's no understanding but, for me either. I don't understand his ways. I yeah. never will. I don't want to know, I know why. I think, I know they say that it's like our, our duty to forgive, but you know what? There's some cases I let God forgive. Yeah, that's that's one of those where I've I've really struggled with God. Now I'm I'm new to the whole Christian Christian walk. Three years in, you know, baby Christian over here, baby that's Christian okay. over here. I'm still learning. I'm 34, and I, I think I found God in middle school. Amen. And I'm still a baby. I still don't understand it. All. None of us have arrived, but he, um, you know, God really changed my heart on a lot of things. But this one, He's still having to uh, work with me about how people can change. But I just. I, I don't see this. If you, it, is look, this how this person is there, wired? There's <laughs> no cure for a pedophile besides for a fucking noose and a long, uh, a short rope and a tall tree. I've done a lot of drugs. I can tell you that. I've done a lot of drugs, but there has not been one time that I've been so jacked up to the point where I thought about harming a child. In no, my worst moment, shouldn't. I was calling 911. You no, know, you should, like you, you just. Should. There's people that sit here and vouch for pedophiles. Mm-mm. Like, I don't understand how they fucking do it. I don't understand how to do it because there's, there is such a small, 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 small percentage of people that if you've ever hurt a child or done something to a child, and I'm not talking about statutory. Statutory is kind of a whole different thing. I've got a buddy who it completely ruined his life. He was 18. She was 16. He is considered uh what whatever. Pedophile. Whatever. I don't know exactly what is considered. Dude's not even close to that. Like, it was a complete bullshit what happened to him. And there are cases of that. I'm not talking of that. I can I can I'm, understand I'm that. talking a grown-ass man mm-hmm. or a grown-ass woman touching a child. Oh, no. A child. Unacceptable. You don't come back from that. No, I don't want you, anyone to ever come back from that. You, you don't come <laughs> back from that. I don't. I uh, 
I, I honestly, honestly, think there should be a zero policy on pedophiles. Should be zero policy. If you do it one time, you either spend the rest of your life in prison with a bunk mate that's got 13 inches of floppy dick and can rail <laughs> you every day or kill him. Well, here's the problem when it comes to that with them staying in jail. I know that during this time frame, a handful of um, quote-unquote pedophiles were arrested. Um, they were in jail, some of them for 30 minutes or less. You can't even get a pizza delivered that quick in Warner Robins. Mm-hmm. And you want to tell me that this dude is now back out in society and is capable of doing things that are horrible things. You, you just don't want that to happen. You ever heard of the Alaskan Avenger? No. The Alaskan Avenger is this guy. If you look him up, uh, I think I'm saying it's right. I think it's called Alaskan Avenger. This guy was abused as a child. Him and his foster brother, both abused as a child. His foster brother grew up, turned out to be a, a good person. This guy could never get over the fact what happened to him as a child. He's tatted up from head to toe. He looks scary as fuck. He broke one day. And when he broke, he started going in. He like he downloaded the app that shows you uh, where all the local pedophiles are. Stu was breaking into to pedophiles' houses and killing them. Wow. And when he got to jail and the judge asked him about it, he told the judge what happened to him as a child. And he said, if I can stop one pedophile from doing what was done to me, then I feel like I'm doing God's will. I'm not saying he's doing God's will, but I actually, I want to, I fucking want to give the guy some money. I want to applaud him. I want to watch but, this. And what should, where is this on? No, it's, you can read the articles. Like okay. I, they, they eventually, sometime they will have to do a documentary or something on this guy, but it's called the Alaskan Avenger. Um, the dude's a fucking, to me, he's a warrior. That's and he, and he should have fucking murdered these people. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't condone it at all. I just, I, I can't, I can't speak much on that one right yeah. now just because it's ongoing. But I will say that I absolutely do not like pedophiles. I absolutely cannot stand them. Um, no. There's other things that I'm just now working with my therapist on, things yeah. that I've had to dig deep down inside me um, in certain traumas when I was a child that I'm having to deal with now as an adult and realizing this is why I did certain things a certain way because yeah. of the trauma. And um, one of them is sexual abuse. Like, it happens. You can literally not be too safe when it comes to who's around your kids. Absolutely not. You cannot be too safe. Like, I I, I don't care. If you want to put a blue leash on your kid when you go to Six Flags, do it. Like, do whatever you have to do to protect your kids. If you're going to be that crunchy granola mom that does it, then do it. You're protecting your kid. Yeah. And it's... That's why I encourage all parents that are worried about that to be vocal about what they would do. Look, the thing is, my daughter is my best friend in this world. Awesome. I dare... Any of you motherfuckers listening right now, I'll be as mean and violent as possible. Mm-hmm. If you ever touch my kid in any type of way, you're going to wish that the law got a hold to you. Well, see, that's why I went to jail. One yeah. of the times that I went to jail is because my kid made a comment. Now, granted, if I was in my sober mind, the comment that was made, it was it was completely looked into. Don't get me wrong. It was a completely innocent comment. I feel like yeah. if I was sober-minded as a mother, I could have said, hey, what are you talking about? And could have read what my kid was talking about. But in that moment, being jacked up and needing all that I could to put what, what back kind of on comment? Um, him being touched inappropriately, and I, that sounds like I'm saying it in a bad way. I just I don't want to say exactly what my son said. Um, Can you say it without saying anybody's name? Oh no, because I mean it's it's it's. I mean I can say that. I mean I, I accuse yeah. I accuse the father of my children of doing that. Oh shit. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm telling you. Girls are not always honest. I'm yeah. telling you, it's, it's not always the guy, it's the girl. 
And I made Sean look bad. And I was out on a mission to make him look bad. And when my kid basically told me that someone like helped him in the bathroom along those lines, you know, like I went off. You should have. You know, like, and, and I feel like as a mother in that moment, I did what I had to do. I knew that I was strung out on Xanax, Adderall, done a bunch of coke, blah, 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 that I had to protect my kids. Yeah. And that if that did in fact happen, then I'm going to make a police report. And so I picked up the phone and I called 911 and I was like, look, I need to make a police report. Next thing you know, like everybody yeah. is at my apartment trying to make this police report. And they're talking to Sean, you know, I just stabbed his tire. They called it family violence. You know, my kids were home, but they were asleep in their, in their bed. And, they were like this, you know, she's, she needs to go get some help or something. Yeah. And, um, because I was criminal trespass damage and family violence. And, um, I didn't want him to go anywhere because I was like, look, if you, if this happened to my child, then I need to know what all happened and I need yeah. to make a report of this and you need to be the one that goes to jail. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Jen. Like you need to go to sleep. You're acting erratic. Like, and I, and I was at the time and, um, you know, he was right. And that's what I think a lot of girls will admit is like, you know what? I had to take a long, hard look at myself and realize I was the problem. But even me being the problem, I still went and had something checked into about my kids. Uh, fuck yeah. You know, like even uh, as strung out as I was, don't my kids about, are my priority. It don't matter, matter about you being strung out. It don't matter. Oh. I, anybody, the second that you even think, I, I, I promise you, you would rather make a fool out of yourself and find oh, no. out that is completely innocent than to you not saying anything at all and a child end up being abused. And that's exactly what I said when I was going through all of that. Like yeah. I was like, I was like, I would rather me look like the crazy person right now acting yeah. a fool and have something checked out about my kids. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like if that's what it takes, because those are, those are my kids, like I birthed them. And then instead, you know, the script got flipped. Now granted, you know, Sean's not on drugs. He's fine. He's going to get the kids. And now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well I'm sitting here in jail now. I don't have access to my kids and they're going, you know, getting seen and this, that, and the other. And there were no findings. There was yeah. absolutely no findings. And that was very like a relief, but it was like, even though in that moment I called 911 to make a report, I, I honestly, and me and Sean, we've talked about it a thousand times. You know, I feel like I would have done it sober. I feel like I would have done, done it sober, you know? And, oh, yeah. And, well, that leads back to the whole family member thing. He, um, this guy was charged with child pornography and child exploitation. And, I mean, I had investigators, like, I, like, had them come into my home. And I was like, are you sure my kids were in none of these pictures? And they were like, we've looked into it. We've looked into backgrounds. I can assure you none of them were your kids. And I was like, okay, well, the kids that were abused, because the word abuse falls under a lot of categories I found out talking through with investigators and they were like, um, hopefully we'll be able to identify them and that they can get the help that they need. Cause that was my next concern yeah. was, okay, are these my kids? And they're like, no. Okay. Well, what happened to these kids? Like, are they going to get the help that they need? Because these kids are about to be traumatized oh, and they're, they're at the hands life. of someone that I know. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's just like the hardest thing is then you hear you, you've got, I've got this group of people telling me like, look, you know, if God can change you. He can change him. And I'm like, well, God delivered me from drugs uh, and a party uh, lifestyle. Uh, I, I don't know one successful, we talked about earlier, I don't know not, one successful pedophile. There's I not, don't know one. You don't see that fucking documentary. You don't <laughs> see that story in your local news or on Facebook is, hey, this one time I touched a kid or I took a naked picture of a child and now look at me today. It's disgusting. No, you fucking need to die. 
Yeah, it's vile. I mean, like, is the investigators literally telling me these things that I did not want to hear, but had to hear as yeah. a mother that has had her children around someone's yeah. pedophile? And just to be clear, you yeah. have no idea who is like that. Like, yeah. you, I mean, some people say you can see signs, this, other. There was none. Uh, me, we, none. I watched something one time, and it was talking to parents about how to have that conversation with your children. And what you do is you tell your child, look, if anybody ever touches you, you are not to be ashamed. They are an adult. You are a child. You are manipulated. You are to tell me the second it happens, I will not be mad at you. I will not do anything towards you. You will not be in any type of trouble because what these pedophiles and these sick fucks do is they tell you, oh, if you say anything, you're going to be in trouble mm -hmm. or any of this stuff, right? So you go ahead and combat it to start off with. You have an uncomfortable conversation with your child yeah. and let them know, look, this is what they're going to say. I know you have to go through it at the time because there's not an adult around. But the second you get away from that, you tell someone because whatever they said was a lie. And you will not be in trouble. They will be. Oh, yeah. Like. You have to have that line of communication open with yeah. your kids. And I think I didn't have that as a child growing yeah. up. I didn't have that. Like, I knew I could go to my mom and tell her anything. But I was because I wasn't directly asked if anything like that had happened, yeah. I never opened up about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here I am, 33 years old, dealing with something that I've carried for over 30 years. And yeah. it's like God will reveal to you what you need to heal from in the time that you need to. Yeah. Three years ago, if you would have thrown all this the stuff that I'm mentally having to deal with now uh, from my past, I probably wouldn't have been able to handle it all. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's all been given back to me a little at a time, but you know, what he did was absolutely vile. And the investigator telling me what he did, how old and just, there's so Is many this person details. Out? They were out in less than 45 minutes. See, yes, yes. I'd, Less than 45 minutes. I went to jail for yeah. a week because I stabbed, not, not to belittle what yeah. I did, because I, I totally own what I did. I went to jail for a week because I stabbed a tire. Yeah. Completely wrong, completely horrible. I shouldn't have done it. I put myself there. But you've got child pornography on your phone and no. you are out in 30, 45 minutes. You cannot get a pizza delivered that quick in Warner Robins. No. Like you can't. And that's not acceptable. Did, that's a DA problem. And I will straight up say that real quick. Well, right right now, too, the jails are overcrowded with so much stuff and bull crap charges on some of them. Yeah. They need to be getting that no, backlog that, cleared that, up. <laughs> that shit right there, I'm telling you. There needs to be if this was the you know why you didn't hear about pedophiles in the old West or before like, I don't know, the nineteen twenties or thirties? Oh because if a cowboy or somebody would have seen this, if somebody who had some fucking audacity to him saw it, you disappeared. And children wouldn't hurt anymore. You have now, you have so many people that are covering for folks like this. And they just make excuses for folks like this. Yeah, there is no excuse. There's no excuse. There's, there's no fucking excuse. The fact that we live in a world now to where you have people that are trying to get... Uh, it's it's been so much in the fucking news lately, where pedophiles it's a it's a it, they can't help it that they're um, wired that way. You can fucking help it. You know how you can help it? You can die. There you go. I'd rather you go fucking and I I am one who uh, I'm a suicide survivor and uh, amen a, and I I mean this as bad as it's gonna sound. You should hang yourself right now if you're listening to me. You should put a gun to your mm -hmm. fucking head and pull the trigger if. You cannot help but touch a kid. It's disgusting. If you, if that's how you're wired, that's then you go vile. ahead. You go ahead and you meet the devil. Because if you ever meet us, you're gonna fucking wish you would have.
I, I just, I don't understand how that is triggered in someone's mind. Like, I don't, I, honestly, I don't want to know it, it, because. It's generational. Most, most every case is generational. Most is you had it done to you as a child. And then because you had it done to you as a child, then you don't think it is as bad as what it really is. It's the same thing with growing up in a house with addicts is you see these addicts do things. So you think, okay, this is not as bad. You think this is normal. And for a pedophile, most of the time it's normal because it was done to them. That's still fucked up. Everybody in that line of shit should be killed. Well, but, it's like you're a grown a grown adult. You're a grown man. You know yeah. right from wrong. Even if you did grow up and ha- and were abused, you know that that's wrong. Like, why would you want to do that? Because it's <laughs> in, it's ingrained in them. That's disgusting. It's I, ingrained in them. They can't get it out of it. That's why there's not any success stories. Right. I I physically threw up with the investigators telling me the stuff that no. he did about about. No, no, I, I wouldn't. I would have thrown up, but then I would have. I'd have done some bad shit. Well, I since since being in recovery and trying to find ways to cope with things, I had to find a way to cope with this because I was yeah. ready. Like it brought back feelings about me going to jail. It brought back all the memories up, and then trying to figure out if these kids are okay. They're not even my kids, and I don't even know who these kids belong to. But I want to make sure they're okay. Yeah. Like it did something to me. It broke me. It like should it have. literally broke. A me. normal person should be broken by it. Well, I knew that I as as loud as I am and me being the way that I am, I knew I had to do something about it. And my friends knew, okay, like this is some rough crap that she's going through. If she doesn't start making some t-shirts, if she doesn't start getting crafty or having an outlet right now, it's about to get bad real quick because everyone knows I don't play around when it comes to my kids. Yeah. And, um, it got to the point where I was, I, I met a friend, um, uh, that actually was in human sex trafficking. Like she was sex trafficked herself and she had ties to the FBI and the GBI. And we talked to investigators. She from Warner Robins by any chance? Um, you don't tell me where she's from, but is she close? Yes. Okay. Close to Warner Robins. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to talk to her. Tell her I want her to have her on my show. Oh, she's incredible. She's got some cool, I would well, love, I don't want to say cool stories, but she's got some very incredible. I opening. would love to hear from her. Yeah. She, she's, she's got, she wrote a book too. It's really good. Um, about her, about her situation and how she's come out of it. So me and her, basically, we teamed up together and we're like, you know what? We're making a Citizens Against Pedophiles page. That's and, cool. You know, like, we're going to do this. Well, it was really cool until Facebook shut it down a handful of times. Because most of the people that are running that are fucking pedophiles. Thank you. And it was like literally like right during that whole time frame where, um, gosh, what was that furniture company or some company online uh, that was selling the kids? Yeah, supposedly? it's the cat, supposedly the cabinet company or whatever it is. Wait, is it Wayfair? You- Wayfair. Okay. Yeah. So it was about that time. So like people like really being all hashtag save our children, all that was going on at this time. And I was like, okay, well maybe this is a sign from God that I need to just see what's going to happen with this. If I were to dive head first in it and try to try to do some healing in this, in this sense. So me and her brainstormed. We looked at, um, I haven't even told anybody this story ever. Um, I literally, I think I kind of told you a little bit about it earlier, but there's one or two people that actually know what happened. Um, as far as my healing went with it yeah. and what I did to kind of cope with this. Cause I had to do something proactive, like in such a dark situation, which when, when it comes to kids, like it's hard to find some light in this. And the only way to put light, I think when it comes to this is by going in there and, and saving those kids and preventing it from happening. Yeah. Because unfortunately it is going to happen. And the only way we can stop it is if 
we literally save the children or if we do something that is going to prevent a pedophile from getting a hold of a child. Yeah. All for it. So, um, basically, um, long story short on that one, our, our page got shut down a handful of times and I was like, you know what, let's find out the app that he was using this, this particular pedophile that he was using. And, um, and let's go undercover. So we teamed up with the FBI. Well, not, we didn't team up with them, but they, you know, kind of gave us a rundown on what we could do, what we couldn't do as far as like, um, like I couldn't, I couldn't, like you try probably couldn't to, message anybody first, right? I couldn't message anyone first. That's entice. Our, I couldn't entice. Yeah. That was it. They had to hit on me. And so basically I acted like I was a 14-year-old girl um, and made fake profile. And within seconds, like it didn't even hit a minute, that profile had so many hits. And these were actual pictures of me, but I just made myself like a 14-year-old kid. Just, yeah. you know, the hair scrunchies, the, the earrings, you the look hoodies. Like, you look very young, so it probably wasn't hard. Well, I mean... I'm, Good with a little bit of airbrush and Photoshop, but thanks. But we, um, I made myself look 14 and um, posted the profile within seconds. I mean, guys, hey, how old are you? Do you want a sugar daddy? Blah, 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 blah. These are grown men, and my profile literally said I was 14. Yeah. So if anyone's listening and you have kids, and especially girls, be very careful with their social media and just watch it because guys, I mean, Guys are gonna say this stuff like grown men to no, these no, young no. Pieces children. Pieces of shit say this stuff. Like, uh, Gr- they, guys do not say this stuff. Right, well, I guess and I say that, like that, in a and sense that's of men age. Or women. Right, I agree. Men, I agree. men are women. That's why you can just say pieces of shit. So. That works. Oh, I'm saying like in a sense of age. Like yeah. these are adults. adults that say stuff to children, and that's awful. Like, I mean, yeah. like the things that they were saying. Like, as I'm being 14 year old Casey, I think was the name that we gave me. Um, like they were saying like the most vile, disgusting things to her. And I'm like, this is a decoy profile. And they're like saying things. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm, and I'm showing Sean, I'm like, can you believe this? I'm literally running to the bathroom throwing up in the middle of conversations with this guy. And it was the, the first guy that messaged. He um, was 23, knew I was 14. Um, I mean, the derogatory things this guy said, um, I'm going to make you my biatch. Um, I'm your daddy now. You're going to listen to me. Um, like all sorts of just, yeah. I mean, it got very creepy. I mean, to the point where I was like, I cannot believe he is literally acknowledging this is a 14 year old child and continuing a conversation with her. And so I just kept going, you know, and we would talk to, um, we talked to a few of the investigators and stuff and kind of told them what was going on. And they're like, you know, just make sure you do not entice on entice. And, you know, larger counties are not receptive yeah, to citizens. For, for, fo- for folks <sighs> that wants to do what she's doing, the reason why is you cannot start a conversation with someone because then you are the person who initiated all of it. Right. You have to allow them to initiate it for it to be a crime. And that will completely ruin a whole case. Yes. And that's why larger counties, and I'm not saying go out there and catch pedophiles, even though I want you to don't do it because larger counties are not very receptive to that because they have their own investigation unit that handles that kind of thing. And so they, they did tell me um, some smaller towns are a little more receptive to it. And what's crazy, this is how I know God lined it all up and knew this was the healing I needed. Um, the first profile we we made, the first person that messaged, he ended up hitting on the fo- uh, profile. He was from a small town in a whole other state. And in three days, we figured out where he lived, what he drove, where he worked, um, his schedule, everything we needed to know about this guy. And we turned it over to the sheriff's office in Missouri, and they were able to make um, – they, they picked up their own investigation and they actually had someone go undercover as an 11 year old and he met her 
quote unquote her at the gas station at like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> An eleven year old. This dude's twenty three, but he's in jail now. We just had You're the welcome. case <laughs> here. And what was cool was the police came here to me to talk to me to oh, share wow. the story. Uh there was this little girl. She lives two, three blocks from here. She got abducted, but it's by some guy. I heard about all that. Some guy that she was talking to, and I can't remember if it was Indiana or somewhere. It was like Illinois. He, Maybe he came, picked her up, and took her back. Yes. And, like, I I just, I don't know where this guy is now. Hopefully and I don't know jail. where, I hope he is too. I don't know where none of them are. But I appreciate the fact that law enforcement does go undercover to catch these people. Because it's, it only takes one time to ruin some kid's life. It only takes one time. And... These children think, because most of these kids, not most of them, I shouldn't say that. Some of these kids have never experienced love, like from a parent, a family member, or whatever, just just real love. So when an adult shows them that, they they gravitate towards it. Because everybody just wants to be loved, regardless, rich, poor, whatever you are. You just want to feel love. So these pedophiles, they lure these people Mm -hmm. with, with love, or whatever it is, they trick them. They use your fucking love against you. And some of them are just sick fucks. But if it was not for law enforcement and people trying to catch these people beforehand, then they're actually going to hurt somebody real. I'm all for it. Oh, like yeah. I, it, I commend them. I commend the, the departments yeah. that do do that because I'm telling you, yeah. those conversations, I had just one guy. Like, it was hard to, like, stomach and realize, like, what they were saying is to a child. Yeah. And, like, and realizing, like, that could be my kid. Someone's talking to like that. And I had to sit there and I had to make that decision. I'm like, okay, do I continue this conversation with this guy? Because if I end this conversation, he's literally just going to go to the next girl. And what if it is a teenage girl? And what if he does try to meet her and does something horrible to her? I was like, I'm, I'm in this conversation now. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep this guy talking to me. So he can't talk to the next child. So police departments and all the people, sheriff's office that deal with that, like, can you imagine going home, like, having to deal with that every single day? Like, that I, took a toll I, I on me. It I, took a toll. There's no way I could. I, I am too sensitive on the subject because of my daughter. Right. Uh, I, I would I would not handle it well. Oh, it was horrible. Right. I, I would. I, I just, I know that the way that I'm made and the way that I'm, like, just my process of thinking on everything, I become a serial killer. It I would, do. I, I if I I had to when you were talking about the Save the Children movement and all this stuff, I got tied up in some documentaries and some, some stuff, and I downloaded one of the apps that they talked about in the documentary to where you can see how close these registered pedophiles and everything are mm-hmm. and all that. And I almost lost my shit when I saw how many people that are sex offenders that are around and they're out and open. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like. I just want to kill you all. Like there's, I just, I know that I can't because I want to be there for my daughter the rest of her life. But I was, I want to murder everyone. Yeah, I was so ticked off at that situation to the point where I was very aggressive. Like I, I needed to do something, yeah. and I was like, "How can you bring positivity or light into this?" And I knew right then and there, okay, well, I've got to. Hey, I'm about to help get one off the street in the best way yeah. that I can possible because I'm not going out of jail. And two, it was like I've got to heal from this. Like I've got to. Like, I got to do some healing and it's hard, but, um, I'm just thankful that that was one less 
pedophile talking to a child. And now yeah. like we've reached out to like the senators and this kind of stuff in the state of Georgia trying to enforce different laws and push different laws. And she's real big into that right now. Like she's she's really doing that. Like she's pushing for it to have laws changed about pedophiles, where they live, how close they can be. And did you know that some of them are actually grandfathered in to that system and they're they're based on tiers like one, two, three. What do you mean grandfathered in? There some pedophiles are grandfathered in to um like it wasn't until here recently, I think like in the past, say recently, like in the past 20 years where they could be in certain parts of a school zone, but like it, if they lived there before the school was built, is that what you mean by grandfather? No, like they're, um, if they live here in this neighborhood and then a school is getting developed, yeah. if they live here, then they can still be that close to I that. Meant. They can be like That's this close to the school. Like it's okay for them to be that close to school. Um, I would be ticked off. Like if there was a new school built and there was a pedophile living like right across the street, yeah. like I don't think that's acceptable. Like they it's, need it's to not, move. It's not even fucking close to acceptable. They should have to move. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm not for a pedophile. Like I'm just not. It's, well, there shouldn't be. They well, don't need to be able to get out I of jail in 30 minutes either. I'm all about people having their rights. Right. Understand. At some point in time, you're, you don't deserve your fucking rights no more. Right. You know, you, uh, you want to do that shit and you want, our country should not be, we should not try to make somebody's life comfortable. Right. If you're that piece of shit. Yeah. There's no, you shouldn't. Every moment of your life moving forward should be as complicated as possible if you're allowed to live, especially if you're not allowed to live in jail. Right. Like you, your life should be hard as hell. Well, I think those consequences ultimately do get dealt with when, you know, that judgment day comes for that, that particular person. But I also think that, them walking around with that title. I'm glad that that title has to follow them throughout life, but I feel like that's the only like punishment some of them get is just to walk around the title the rest of their life. And I think I'm, I'm yeah, just, that's not enough punishment for me. No. And I like, is that like when God steps in and he's like, okay, well, this is what you did. This is how you're going to pay for it for the rest of eternity in hell. Yeah. It's like, how can you walk around on earth with just think, a title? I think you know, I, them, there's not like enough. I said, I think he sent them to hell. Yeah. I don't, because the thing is like, you cannot have someone like that loose. No, you, you can't. Because they're they, going to do e it again. Even if they do not offend and actually touch a child when they go to Walmart, because you can't make them not go to Walmart when children's in there, right. when they go to another grocery store or whatever, and you see this sick fuck walking around, how do you know when he looks over to look at your kid that he's not sitting there thinking some foul, foul thing. Now, am I guilty of walking past a grown-ass woman and thinking some foul things? Yeah, but that's uh, me talking about a grown-ass woman. That's different. And, you you're, know, you're, you're and, and, and probably everybody does that. You can't help but lust for, for what you lust for. That brings me right back to what I was just saying. If you lust for children, you can't stop lusting for children. And the only way for you to stop lusting for children is for your ass to stop breathing. Yeah, it's like what you're attracted to, you're attracted to. Yeah. And if you're attracted to kids, I, I like don't want crazy, to crazy, toxic ass women. <laughs> it is my favoriteest thing in the world because I know what comes along with them. Is that your addiction? Oh, good Lord, is it? <laughs> but I just, there's no cure for that for them. There's not one. If I'll tell you what, I, I'll play this game with everybody listening right now. If you know a success story for a pedophile, message me. I want, I want to hear, I will let you get on this show and you tell me the success story for a pedophile. And did you believe them? Uh, I would, I would have to research the person. Yeah. I, I, just, I would I, have I, to, I, I would have to research. Like I said, there's a lot of people that got stuck with statutory rape 
that that I do not feel was just. I I know a guy. I literally know a guy. It was completely unjust for him to have to walk around with that stigma the rest of his life. And I have there's so many cases. There was a guy who was fixing to be an NBA basketball player, and he was going to get drafted like in the first or second round right out of high school. He's a black dude. He slept with an underage white girl. I think he was 18. I think she was 15 or 16. It was completely consensual because it came out 10 years after the fact because she couldn't hold it in anymore. So she tells the truth 10 years after this man has been in prison, lost everything that he had worked for his entire life. This girl lied because her mom and dad found out that she slept with a black guy. Oh, my gosh. This guy's life was fucking ruined. And she finally found God and could not hold it in anymore. And I don't think she got punished. I, I, I cannot remember where she gets punished. That's crazy. The dude was probably so happy to be released from jail that he never filed charges. Mm-hmm. You know, those are not the cases I'm talking about. Right. Talking it's- about an actual child being molested, being hurt, or whatever. By an adult. Yes. You don't deserve to live. No. There's no cure for me. Yeah, it's... It's definitely taken some, some some therapy sessions and some some trying to figure out good coping skills when it comes to it because it's just it takes you by surprise. Like you you know one one article that they put out in in the media was you know the families that are affected by this like they don't you, you just don't know that kind of ripping your family apart until it happens. Absolutely. Because then you got the parents like my child would never do anything like that, and then your child does something like that, and it's like that's got to be a dagger to the heart as a mom. Like I couldn't imagine being in those shoes. You know, I can I can only hope and pray that I raise my boys to never do anything like that or to to be abusive, to be toxic. You know, and it's it's just my job to do my part as a mom, and I, I thank God that I have that opportunity yeah. to to pour back into my kids and show them that there is good in the world. Because for so to, long I didn't think it existed. You just teach them good. You teach them wrong from right. Yeah. That's, That's all you it. can do. You teach them wrong from right, and you let you let the decisions that you make, and even the bad decisions that you've made, you talk to your children about it. Oh, yeah. My child is probably the only 10-year-old that understands that my dad tra- tried to commit suicide before I was born because wow. he was not mentally right. My child understands now that whatever she needs to talk about, she has 100% this freedom to talk to me and her mother about it. If she grows up to be gay, my child knows she can talk to me about it. That's good. If if someone touches her, she knows she can talk to me about it. If she's scared or doesn't understand a situation, she can talk to me about it. It's our job as parents to teach our children that life isn't beautiful. Yeah. It's not. There are fucked up things that are going to happen to you in life. But you can make the most out of it by having an understanding of what's going on and not being scared to ask for help, not being scared to ask questions, because that's what we're supposed to do. Because some people think that they just they're they're doomed and they have to walk through it alone and they don't Don't. have to walk through it alone. And that's, you know, with my kids, same thing. You've had to have hard conversations with your children. But I think that open being open with your children at a young age, of course, using the right words. There's certain things you can and can't say as parent to your child when they're trying to understand and comprehend something to that magnitude. It's, you know. You can always talk to mommy about anything. Yeah. You can talk to daddy about anything. You know, we're, we're very open people. And 
you know, of course, my kids don't know of my drug use yet and this, that, and the other. But later on in life, How old are when, they? they're five and eight. Oh, yeah, you're good. So yeah. when they get older, you know, you know, they, they understand that drugs are bad. They understand yeah. boundaries. They understand inappropriate touching. They understand it. That line of communication is there. And I didn't have that growing up. So I yeah. can, I can I only either. hope having that open for my kids is something that they always take me up on. And I will say my kids do get in the car now and they're like, mom, this happened at school. And they tell me like some off the wall stuff. And I'm like, oh Lord, okay, that rather, line of communication is totally open. Thank you. That's what it's supposed to be. Well, and that's good. Well, Miss Jen, this was a pleasure. It was. It was I'm fun. I'm definitely going to have you back. Awesome. Awesome. This, this was good. I want you to get in touch with that, uh, the FBI chick, not the FBI chick, but the, <laughs> the one that the, was yeah. in the sex trafficking. Yeah. Cause I'm all, cause like one thing I have a lot of fun on the show. If y'all listened to the last couple episodes of being in Nashville, had a lot of fun coming, going back to Nashville to record with some TikTokers this weekend is going to be a good time. But this show is set up to help. Yes. The show is set up to, to actually put some truth out into the world and whether you like it or not, give you a little something that you need. You might not have came to listen to the show today because you needed something. Hopefully you got it by the time it was all said and done. And with her story, with your story, with uh, a lot of the sensitive stories that I've had on here lately, they are not just for entertainment. Like I appreciate the downloads and stuff that it gets off of it and the money that it makes, but it's for someone out there that needs it. Yeah. If you know you're helping someone, that's yeah. all that matters. And, that, and that's what it is. Well, thanks. I'm honored to have been here. Cool. Well, uh, go ahead and tell them what the name of your podcast is one more time and how they can, uh, if they want to hit you up on social media, how they can hit you up. The set B prod, uh, podcast is going to be available on Spotify. Say that a little bit and... slower because your, your words are together sometimes. <laughs> I think I'm just so pumped now. Um, the set free podcast, it's going to be available on Spotify. Um, we have a launch date coming soon for that. And on Instagram, it's jennifer.morgan underscore. And my business is actually Exodus Boutique. It's shop.exodus.wr. All right, folks. Well, thank y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. I will catch y'all next time.